Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal. And I'm here today with Bruce McCurdy. Welcome, Bruce. Hey, David. How are you doing today? Good. And you've got a new microphone where we continue to up our technological game. Bruce. That's driving the new mic. This one's got a mute button just like yours. Yeah. And hopefully I don't need to use it as often as you've had to use yours with this uh, um, infernal cold, cough, whatever it is you're suffering from for the last couple of weeks. I hope I don't yeah. get that via Skype. <laughs> well, we did see each other in St. Albert yesterday when I had yeah, it over true. the mic. That's true, we did. Yeah, so you never know. Watch your daughter's team play a little <laughs> bit of hockey. And I and I, I kept a sharp eye on your player's gate, David, just to make sure that you practice what you preach and there was no bad line changes. I <laughs> hate bad line changes. And I saw uh, none, i got to say, so... It's good you didn't see the game before. <laughs> All right, um, Bruce, we're going to do, um, we're going to look at a couple of different things today. The Darnell Nurse contract, yeah. Connor McDavid's injury, mm-hmm. and Adam Larson's possibility of maybe making a trade of a defenseman, veteran defenseman. Could be Larson, could be Matt Benning, could be Chris Russell at the trade deadline, which I'm now, having looked at it and thought it through more, I think that a trade makes sense. I think that it's probably the right move to make for the Oilers right now. So we'll get your take on that as well. Okay. Bruce, let's just, I'll just quickly update. I mean, probably every fan knows already what's going on with me. David, he hurt his knee um, in the game against, uh, who do they play? Nashville. Uh, Nashville. And <clears throat> he looked like he was uh, not skating that well a little bit here and there in the game. Happened in the second period. He finished out the game. He came out to practice today. He was out there for the power play, then quickly came off the ice. That was apparently planned. That's what mm-hmm. they planned to do all along. They wanted him to miss the rough and tumble. He's saying he's got a Charlie horse and he may miss tomorrow's game against Chicago. So, <coughs> excuse me. What do you make of that, Bruce? He's not sure if he's good to go or not for tomorrow, but uh, he, he did elaborate that the part of the knee that hurts and he said it did hurt while he was playing through it on Saturday night. But the part of the knee that hurts is unrelated to the part of the knee that was so severely injured last uh, last year. And it basically, he banged the knee into the boards, and he suffered what sounds like a bruise, or just at the where the knee joins the upper leg. And you could just see on the one replay in particular, the left knee, not just a knee, but that knee, hitting the boards first. And I'm sure every Oilers fan winced. At that moment, yeah. And eventually, Sportsnet got around to telling us what was going on, but that was <laughs> for another day. But there's a reason we're paranoid about this guy, especially at this point in time. And I can't help but always go back to your uh, your an early analysis when he was still in junior that he's Bobby Orr playing center. And we all, well, those of us who are old enough, remember Bobby Orr and what he was, and still what he could have been, you know. So. We always hope for the best health for all of these guys, but especially the special ones. Yeah. There's some guys like Ovechkin and Drysaddle that are just built like tanks and you don't expect them to get hurt. And other guys are more, they're just more kind of loose limb guys like Oren McDavid and you just wonder, um, maybe a bit more prone to injury than, like I just think certain body types are more prone to injury than other body types, but I'm no expert on that. I think it's more of a speed thing than a body type thing. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Whatever he whatever he runs into, he's apt to be going faster than your average bear. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, even your average Ethan bear. Yes. All right. 
Bruce, um, yeah, so they, you know, not to worry, they've called up Colby Cave, you know, so here we go. We're covered. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know, Bruce, this year, Kyler Yamamoto, it's a small sample size. Mm-hmm. He, at even strength, he is the fourth leading scorer in the NHL on a points per minute uh, basis. Fourth in the NHL. That's pretty darn good for a, for a young man. Now, it's only 14 games into it. But um, he's just totally kicking butt. Putting in your earphones there. Yeah, I'm just realizing I might be giving people enough. I've been so focused on this mic that I forgot to do one of the standard things. So if there was an echo, hopefully it's gone now. Sorry. Yeah, that would be me talking anyway. We'll, we'll find yeah. out. I didn't hear anything unusual, but uh, maybe we'll, it'll show up some other way. Um, <coughs> I, well, I tech man. Uh, all right um the darnell nurse contract bruce you wrote Mm -hmm. at length about it i had written at length about it previously Mm -hmm. i really like this contract um because i'm in the camp that that sees this as a team friendly player friendly move like it's two groups working together on a solution and the solution is getting darnell nurse here long term while meeting the Oilers cap situation issues. And um, what I think is going to happen is he'll sign a long-term deal this coming summer after this season when he's eligible to re-sign. But um, after next season. So some people say, well, oh, geez, it could be like Jeff Petrie. They're going to lose him. But I don't see that. That's that's not the vibe of this. They didn't like particularly like Jeff Petrie in Oilers management. That's why they let him go. They didn't think he was rough and tumble enough, I don't believe. Um, at least I got that kind of indication from them, from different things that were said over time. They love Darnell Nurse, and he's going to be in order for a long time. The question is, how do you get him the money that he wants and also fit it under the cap and also make sense for the team? I think this was a good compromise in the short term. And if Darnell Nurse, I think he's got to take his game to another level to get to the very highest level mm-hmm. for this kind of player, Ekman Larson, Truba, that $8 million a year player. He's not there yet. He doesn't deserve that kind of contract right now. He's got to take his game to the next level. If he does that in the next year, and well, the remainder of this season and all of next year, um, then uh, then he can get to that contract. If he doesn't, he's going to be more like a Jeff Petrie. Like he'll he'll get at the lower end for that kind of player. He'll still get very well paid, but it'll be more like six point five million a year, seven million a year, as opposed to eight million a year. So that's how I see it. What about you? Yeah, it's a, it's a very interesting deal, and, and uh, it took me a while to get my head around it, I have to say. Uh, you may you may remember at the time I promoted your post on uh, Thursday, I think it was this week, that um, I said the very last term I was expecting for a Darnell Nurse extension was two years, because that's the exact time to free agency, and that is very much against the grain of what they've been doing in the NHL. But the more I've thought about it and got my head around it, the more I don't mind it. I mean, one of the options was to give him a one-year bridge deal to take him up to his last RFA year. But if you do that, when you get to that point, A, you've got an unsigned player. Now he's got arbitration rights. You, uh, He has the option, the hammer, what I call the arbitration hammer, where he can insist on arbitration, uh, get a contract as awarded by the, by the arbiter, and then 
that takes him to his unrestricted free agency. And it's much more likely to lead to bad blood between the player and the team as opposed to uh, uh, actually doing what the Oilers did and going right through to that uh, uh, to that seventh year, which is basically what they've done now with a three-year entry-level deal, a two-year bridge, and now another two-year bridge. And I can give you a couple examples. Jacob Truba is a very good modern comparable to Darnell Nurse. And he signed a two-year bridge and a one-year bridge. And, of course, he did have the arbitration hammer. And he made it fairly clear for a while, I think, that he wanted to play in the States in a major market. And before he even filed for arbitration, he got traded on June 17th to New York Rangers. And they immediately signed him to a maximum seven-year deal, $8 million a year that they had to pay immediately. Like they pay even his last RFA year, he got $8, million, he got $8 million for it. Well, in the case of Nurse, uh, they have um, from now well, from now until June of 2022 is what he signed up for. But the equivalent place where Truba got traded will be June of 2021. There'll be a year to go. That's when they can reopen negotiations with Darnell on July 1st. They have a year to work it out. I think they'll work it out that summer, and we'll see one of two things. We'll see him get signed. Uh, to a long-term extension in the fairly early window, or we'll see them say, we're not in the same ballpark, he's up for trade, and they'll move him the way Winnipeg moved Truba. But it removes that that arbitration specter from from things, which, <clears throat> which is just a, a distasteful operation from everybody's point of view, I think. And uh, uh, the other thing it does is it makes them actually more valuable as a trade asset Whereas when Winnipeg traded Truba, Rangers had to pay him right away. If the orders were to trade Nurse with a year to go on the contract, the team getting him has it, has him locked up for a year at 5.6. They have time to negotiate, and they also have one cheap year, cheaper year than uh, the money that presumably he's looking for in the longer term. So though, though, those uh, considerations have me sort of rethinking and saying, geez, maybe it's better to have the guy actually expiring uh, at his UFA time than a year before when all that arbitration mess can uh, can come up because uh, they really are going to have the same options in the summer of 2021 that they would have had, uh, you know, had, had his contract been coming due then. And, and it's just going to be smoother and I think happier for everyone. So, yeah, I, you know, the interesting thing, Bruce, is that, you know, you lock a player up for eight years, like mm-hmm. McDavid or Dreisaitl. You know, the, the truth is, if, if those guys mm-hmm. want out of town, they're out of town tomorrow, like not tomorrow, but soon. Like it's all about the the vibe between the player and the team. Do they want to be here? Is it a good fit? Does a player want if right. because if the player doesn't want to be there, like Truba in Winnipeg right. or Carlson in Ottawa, arguably they find Petrie a way. Yeah, arguably, I don't know if Petrie wanted Pronger in Edmonton is an obviously an excellent example. Listen, they the players, these superstar players, have the cards. If they want out, they're out. So Nurse is a good enough player that he if he if he doesn't want to be if he wants to be here he will be here if he doesn't yeah. want to be here he won't and it's as simple as that you can get all hung up on the long term I don't think that's important what's important it, like sir you don't want to give from the team's perspective too much you don't want to give a bad contract out but like right. the idea is he going to be here is he not going to be here that's not really so much of an issue for me it's all about the vibe and the vibe right now is this guy wants to be here. So then the, then the next question is, does cap hit make sense and the term makes sense? Right. And two years at 5.6 million for this player? 
Yeah, I'll take that. Like, I guess there's some people who think, oh, you could grind them down and try to get a better deal out of them and blah, blah, blah. Well, that's going to make a situation where the player doesn't want to be here yet, lunkheads, and, and will try to force his way out of town. Sorry, but that is the truth. And if you want value this player, you want him to be here, you don't be Mr. I'm going to grind you down to 4.8 million or whatever it is, or, you know, whatever it is that people want him ground down to. I, I just think that they're, again, they're playing fantasy hockey in their head too much, fantasy GM, as opposed to deal with, is this player long-term here? Does this, does this cap hit make sense? Does this term make sense? All these things aligned on this deal, which is why I like it. Well, if you want, if you have them in your plan for the long term, you want to treat them fair and you want to treat them with respect. Exactly. And this is a real live breathing human being that some of us seem to forget at times and on both sides of the table. And they're, uh, uh, you know, they they want to have an amicable contract discussion with them in July of 2021. It behooves them today to pay them, uh, a, you know, a, a reasonable contract. I mean, when, when Jacob Truba Two years earlier, when he signed his one-year deal, it was for $5.5 million. It wasn't for 3.6 or, you know, it was it was same general ballpark as what Darnell Nurse is getting. Now, you might say, well, Jacob Trouba is a, a better player than Darnell Nurse, in your opinion. And I say, I don't know Jacob Trouba well enough to say that for a fact. But when I look at the numbers, Darnell Nurse can make a pretty, pretty strong case for himself. Uh, Going back, I mean, you talk about grinding a guy's gears. After Jeff Petrie's ELC expired, Steve Tambellini signed him to a two-year extension at $1.75 million per year, which was a hugely bargained contract. But I thought right at that time, and I was proven correct, that that opened the door for Petrie's departure from Edmonton. And when that came due, he had one year left. He had arbitration rights. He didn't go that way, but basically he told Craig McTavish, I'm only signing for one year. And they, they did what they did. And Petrie was, I think, the fifth highest paid defenseman on that team. And he was basically the best defenseman on that team. And just like last year, Darnell Nurse was the fifth highest player defenseman on the Oilers. And he led the team in games played, minutes played, goals, assists, points, penalty minutes, everything, right across the board. And so he's made his case. Uh because his contract has been incremental, you can't really compare him to Oscar Kleffbaum, who signed coming right out of his entry-level contract. In fact, he was still in it when he got signed to a seven-year extension by Peter Chiarelli. And in retrospect, they projected well on, on Kleffbaum, and they and they got a good bargain deal, and he's locked up long-term. Uh, in Nurse's case, there's going to be there's another step yesterday. There's going to be another step in a couple of years' time. Uh, to lock him up, but uh, uh, they've gotten, I mean, these last two years, he's been a bargain at 3.2 million, and I would argue the next two years, he's probably going to be pretty fairly paid, and then then we'll see. The, the other consideration also that there's uh, a big chance that the salary cap's, cap's going to go way up in two years when they have that new TV deal, so there may be a little more, a little more room to... Uh, to pay the player a bigger contract without it really being a bigger percentage of the cap. Well, here's one for you, Bruce. I think we'd agree that Darnell Nurse is like an upper-end physical kind of player. He's in the, the top echelon of NHL D-men for being physical and menacing and intimidating, okay? Now, a lot of people don't put a lot of weight in that. I, I do put weight in that. But, yeah. but I think it's fair. Anyone would say that. Okay, I think we would also say that he's at least average defensively. I mean, he plays against tough competition. 
Um, he and Bear play the most against, according to uh, the Wood Money Puck IQ site, they mm-hmm. play the highest uh, percentage of the time against elite competition. So, and he, I think he, I think we could say he holds his own. I don't think you'd say he's probably the best defensive defenseman or the worst. But against mm-hmm. tough competition, I think a fair comment is he holds his own. So those two things in mind, we have a defenseman who holds his own against tough competition and is really physical and intimidating. Bruce, in even strength point scoring in the last two years in the NHL, Darnell Nurse ranks 40th for NHL D-men. 40th. Mm -hmm. Jacob Truba ranks 72nd. Oliver Ekman Larson ranks, I think it's, let me just check, I'll just give you the exact number. Oliver Ekman Larson ranks 95th. Darnell Nurse is 40th. This per, per 60? Per 60. Right. Okay. Darnell Nurse fortieth, one point one four points per sixty. Okay. So um, Oscar Kleffbaum is one hundred and seventeenth at zero point eight six per sixty. And those guys both play a lot of time with McDavid. I don't think there's one who gets appreciably more time. Maybe Nurse does get a bit more time. I don't know. But um, they're both getting, I think, good minutes with Drysaddle and McDavid. So Darnell Nurse, you might not love. We might not love his passing game, but his offensive game, it's top drawer. It's first pairing offense. I mean, he's in the top. He's in the top forty. He's not a f- number one guy <coughs> on the attack, but number he's one a top. On this team. He's number one on this team, and he's a top pairing defenseman in the NHL on the attack for the last two years. And he moved up from the very bottom in his first couple years. He was at the very bottom of that category, so he's come a long way. And I don't think people give him credit for that. He finds a way to get it done on the attack. Now, I've criticized him, and I think rightly, for his lack of creativity at the blue line. In this one situation, he's really, the pucks pass, pass back to him at the point, and he's really weak. Um, or he's not very, you know, not really weak. He's below average at making a play there. But other, like, other things, like jumping into the play, rushing the puck, he's he can find players uh, with good passes, too, now and then. Good um, uh, breakout passes, like... Those long bomb passes, he's, I see him make those as much as anyone. <clears throat> so, yeah, I'm not, I'm completely, like the, the term and dollar amount of this contract makes a lot of sense. The whole vibe around this makes a lot of sense. I'm really happy. Uh, go ahead. Well, I, I'm just looking at raw points as opposed to per 60. So I'm looking at a different list than you, NHL.com. Yeah. And I'm just doing from 2018 till now. So during the time of Nurse's yeah. bridge contract, he's making 3.2 million, and he is tied for 17th in the NHL with 52 even strength points, and we'll have just in, in a little range: Victor Hedman 54, Shea Weber and Seth Jones 53, Ryan Suter, Darnell Nurse 52, Ryan McDonough, Aaron Ekblad, and Shea Theodore 51, Eric Carlson and Zach Wierenski 50. Nurse is practically the lowest paid player on that entire list. Like that, that those are elite defensemen and elite offensive defensemen. Uh, what they have going for them, many of them, is that they run their team's power play. So they rack up a whole bunch of extra points that Darnell doesn't get. And we've talked about this before, that we were just as happy Darnell wasn't running Edmonton's power play because he would cost more. Yeah. But uh, at even strength, uh, where the lion's share of the game is played, he finds a way to score, and it's not traditional. Like, he's not your sort of slick, puck-moving defenseman, but he does barge into the rush so often, and he creates chaos in the def- in the offensive zone. He floods the zone, being an extra man on the rush. Uh, not so often that he'll go end-to-end with it himself, but he will lug it out of his own end and certainly start the attack in, in that manner. 
and he does have some offensive weapons at his disposal. He does seem to get somehow get his share of cheap points, but he also gets his share of deserved points, and I don't think he gets as much credit for being uh, uh, as offensively strong as he is. I mean, I was reading tweets last week that said he couldn't make a five-foot pass. Well, how the hell did he get 52 points in the last <laughs> year and a half then? Yeah, and the thing is, well, I, I don't look at a lot of the underlying numbers, but we keep our own. We we right. we look at the major contributions to grade A sure scoring is. chances. And Nurse is the best guy on the team. Or, or, like he's up there with Baron Clefbaum. They're all really good at that. Nurse is right there with those other two guys. They're the big three on this team. Yep. And um, Darnell Nurse, he he contributes to a lot of major makes major plays that lead to, to great scoring chances as much as any Oilers defenseman. And uh, yeah. So this gets to the uh, the next topic, Bruce, which is Adam oh, Larson. I got one and, more thing. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Uh, when we were talking about contracts, I had one more comparable that came up, and he isn't a defenseman, but he is an oiler, and he's now again an oiler, Sam Gagne. When his entry-level deal expired, three years, he signed a two-year extension, and then he signed a one-year extension. And then in the summer of 2013, he went to arbitration, and... As they were waiting to do the arbitration meeting, they agreed on a three-year extension at $4.8 million, yeah. meaning both parties were under extreme pressure doing the negotiating literally the last minute. Uh, and this is where taking Nurse, uh, like Nurse will never undergo arbitration now. That is a done deal because it's going to be U his next contract. He'll be UFA, and that just doesn't apply anymore. So I th that's where I kind of think Ken Holland got really creative here. And went against the grain and the tradition of how these things are done, but I can see the, I can see a logic to it. So um, when we look, and I agree with that, Bruce. I think you know, I think I made my point on this contract. I like yeah. it. Um, <clears throat> let's just stick with that points per sixty number over the last two seasons because it, I think it's really um, a good number for ranking offense um, over that amount of time. And so Nurse ranks 40th out of 238 regular NHL D-men at that time. Matt Benning is 73rd. Um, Ethan Bear is 77th. Caleb Jones is 104th. Oscar Clefbaum, 117th. Chris Russell, 182nd. And Adam Larson, 189th. So Adam Larson is in the top four on the Oilers' defense, and he's one of the weaker um, offensive defenseman in the NHL. And I, th I don't think there's much debate about that or, you know, there's, that's a, you know, that's what his point total says. And I think that's what we see. That's certainly what our, our, uh, our own analysis of uh, grade A scoring chances shows that Adam Larson and Chris Russell add very little to the attack. And that's borne out in their point totals. Bruce, it strikes me right now that Adam Larson has m more value to another team than he does to the Edmonton Oilers. And this is when I think the time is right for a trade. I saw it last year with Lucic. Lucic had more value to another team than he did the Oilers. The Oilers have tough guys in Cassie and a Nurse. Other teams would need a tough guy. And I was that's why I was I, I predicted the Oilers are going to be able to trade Milan Lucic because mm -hmm. another team's going to value what he what he has. I'm seeing the same thing here. Now we, we there's not the, like they had to move Lucic. That was an imperative. It's not an imperative right now to move Adam Larson. He is a decent NHL player. He and Russell both are great defense or 
not great. That's too strong. They are both good defensive hockey players. Against tough competition, they're as good as any Oilers defenseman at limiting grade-A scoring chances against. They're tough in the slot. They're smart. They're intense. They're aggressive. They're really strong defensive hockey players. He has value, Adam Larson, as an NHL player. But I'm not sure that that value is there right now for the Edmonton Oilers. They have these other young guys in Jones and Benning who I think are much better offensive players, and the numbers bear that out. And I think the Oilers, I don't think, Bruce, the Oilers can win in the playoffs going forward with Larson in the top four and also with Russell in the lineup. That's one too many guys who aren't strong enough on the attack. I think they got to make sure that they have Jones in the lineup. And if Jones is in the lineup and if Benning's in the lineup, then one of Russell or Larson are sitting. And I'm saying trade one of those guys. Trade either Larson or Russell um, or possibly Benning. Trade one of those guys um, as quickly as you can because another team desperate for a defenseman is going to put more value than the Oilers have for that player. And if that team also has a forward, you got to trade. You have a veteran forward coming to the Oilers. That's what the Oilers need. The Oilers move out a veteran D-man, and you have a good old-fashioned hockey trade. And I think it totally makes sense for them to do that, and I hope to see that in the next, before the trade deadline. Salary for salary, eh? Yeah. You trade. I mean, term for term. I mean, if you're doing Larson, <laughs> Larson or Russell, you're talking about a, a year plus of $4 million to go. So if they clear that out, that makes room for a salary coming the other way. And from the other team's perspective, the same holds true. They can move out a, a forward that's maybe kind of a fifth wheel in their in their scheme of things, and maybe they got a hole on right defense or what have you, uh, an actual hockey trade. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's possible. Uh, Russell, uh, I still think he's more likely to move sometime after July 2nd after his next bonus is paid. And that'll be a... That'll be a a cost-cutting maneuver for both teams. I just, uh, if one's sort of more budget conscious and one's cap conscious, uh, you can do those kind of things. But Larson, uh, he's a, a uh, he's an interesting case, and I think he has some value around the league. And at the same time, he's had his struggles here uh, really the last two years. Uh, his his um, uh, his performance on the ice, I think, has taken a major dip. Like, he was very good his first year here in 16-17. And then uh, he had that following year where he had a couple of physical issues. And then his dad died. And things kind of went a little sideways for him. And maybe it's a case where uh, <clears throat> a fresh start would rejuvenate him. Who knows? I mean, that's, uh, again, we're talking with real flesh and blood humans here. And I don't pretend to be in his head. Uh, but um, uh, his results... And uh, my friend Darcy McLeod, Wood Guy, had an excellent uh, Twitter thread on this the other day about about Larson's uh, uh, goal differential since the beginning of last year, and he's really had his struggles in that department. had a had a major uh, uh, net negative at five on five, not plus minus, but specific to five on five play, getting rid of those bogus minuses for empty net goals and, and shorthanded goals and just looking strictly at even strength. He's um, uh, he's had his struggles in the, in the order system. Yeah. Like, so I think there's different analytic schools and I mm-hmm. think different NHL teams will use different analytic methods. I think it's fair to say. Yep. And some of them will um, focus on, on ice numbers, like how the team does when right. Larson's on the ice. Others are going to zero in on Larson's actual actions on the ice, his actual performance. I know Arizona has a analytic system that does that. 
And um, there's a there's a company out of Calgary run by Brad Warenka that does that kind of thing. So there's different kinds of analytic systems. And I'm, I'm saying under some analytic systems, Larson and Russell is, are going to look better, like better players, more useful players than other under different analytic systems. And it depends which lens you're looking through at that moment. So, and every team is going to have a slightly different lens. Some team is going to have that lens that focuses in on, okay, who shuts down attackers in the defensive slot? Who's a rugged player? And then they're going to have the old-timey hockey thing, like who's a big rugged player who can help us in the playoffs? Right. And if those two things come together for a team, and, and I, I suspect that the analytics is very sophisticated on many teams, and, and that will happen, that they are going to identify these two players as being, I think Chris Russell's actually, some analytic systems are going to say, this is a guy that can really help us. He can kill penalties. He's a super solid defender. If we pair him with the right guy, in the right situation, he's kind of the guy who could put us over the top in the playoffs. So I actually think, although the talk around Edmonton, because of the Corsi domination of the Corsi school at Edmonton Twitter circles, everyone's Chris Russell is a, is a bad hockey player. I think that's not what it, other NHL GMs are going to say and what their analytics guys are going to say, some of them. They're going to say, this is a guy who can help us. And I actually think he's a real possibility on a trade as well, both he and Larson. The difference with Russell is he's got a no movement clause. So right. he can only um, go to, I think, 10 teams at this point. So he'd essentially have to agree to a team if it's not on the list, um, right. which is a possibility. But I do think that this could happen. And, um, you know, I'm not hearing this, though. I'm not hearing rumors. like. But we that's not to say Ken Holland would give any rumors like that. But you'd have to think with Caleb Jones's reasonably sound play and Matt Benning playing pretty good hockey... They've got to be thinking about this, Bruce, because they need, I think they do need another forward. And I and I don't think Helen wants to give up futures. And I don't think Pugliarvi is going to do it um, to bring in that forward that they need. So they're going to have to give more. And I think this might be the do the trick. Yeah, well, one suggestion I heard from uh, people whose opinion I respect is um, um, Larson for Mike Hoffman, who's... Uh, He's a rental in that he's his contract's coming up this year, not next year. But but Florida is supposedly looking for defense, and Hoffman's coming due, and uh, uh, he's a, you know a million dollars more than Larson. But you know, I mean, most of that difference is covered by the guy you move out. And Florida would get an extra year of an expensive defenseman, but one they may feel is worthwhile. And boy, would Hoffman ever look good on the McDavid line, eh? Oh yeah, that'd be. Oh. It's like work. a legitimate proven NHL sniper, is uh, uh, is uh, and who's still in his prime, unlike James Neal, who's clearly nearing the end of the line. Uh, it's uh, uh, it's a tempting thought, but I mean, maybe not that particular player, but that type of a of a deal, and just identifying a team that's looking for a D man or specifically a right D man. If you were if you're thinking of moving Larson. And of course, also all this is predicated on a return to health, Chris Russell, who not only can he not be traded if he's hurt, but the Oilers would be very reluctant to move out another veteran if Russell's out long term. And we still don't know on that front. That's a good point, Bruce. And that's something I hadn't really factored. And I'm assuming that he will be back um, sooner than later. But with concussions, you never know. Two so. weeks later, he's not skating. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes takes a while. Like Matt Benning was out two months, right? Mm-hmm. all right yeah. bruce well why don't we uh leave it there for now all right and uh thanks for talking today
Yeah, thanks for listening, everyone. We'll do our normal podcast after uh, game night tomorrow night against Chicago home game. All right. And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast. <laughs>